Casey. And Devin. The internet tells us that we're a health and wellness podcast, but you won't find any professional advice here. <laughs> That's right. We are just here to share our journeys so that hopefully our failures make you feel better about yours. Uh, Devin, is there a category for just relatable podcasts? I don't know. Probably. Let's be that. <laughs> Sounds good. Hello, Thomas. Welcome to Weekly Buddy Time. <laughs> uh, how- howdy. It's yeah. been a minute since I've been on here. It has been a minute. Um, what was the last time? W- were we talking about Robin Hood and investments? Was that it? Were you on that one? Or is that just James? Now I don't remember. We're talking about sleep? Hmm. What did we talk about? <laughs> it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I, was I mean, just... was it was it way back when I talked about blood sugar? Oh, God. Maybe. Did I, did I do that on here? Yeah. That would have been like 2018, 2019. Whew. Okay, so it's been a minute. It's been a little minute since you've been on this uh, on this podcast, uh, but I'm glad that you're here. I'm glad that you're talking to me. How are you doing? How was your day? <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it, it was fine. I actually had to had to drive somewhere instead of just staying recused in my uh, <laughs> mountain freehold, all uh, like I usually do. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Uh, what are you drinking? That's the other oh, thing I, I always uh, ask. It's been a long week, so I, I gave myself a generous pour of uh, Old Granddad Bottled in Bond. It's a Ooh. 100 proof uh, high rye mash bill bourbon. Um, mm-hmm, I don't know mm-hmm. if you're familiar with Basil Hayden, but it's very similar to that. Just uh, a little younger, a little hotter. Um, it's kind <laughs> that, of a... Kind that's of, how you like hmm? your bourbon? A little younger, hey, a little hotter? a little younger. Hey, what's up? <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. I've also got a, a ginger ale over to the side because my... Uh, my specific pathology with drinking, and when I say drinking, I mean like literally anything, be it Coke or whatever, yeah. is that I have to constantly be sipping. Okay. And so that's dangerous when it's you bourbon? really like bourbon. <laughs> because you find yourself just like taking sips constantly, and then you're like, where did where did all the bourbon go? Yeah. Oh no, it's in my tummy. <clears throat> gotcha. So you have the bottle so, up there just in case. Oh yeah. Actually, when I say I'm, I'm sipping from it, it's a straw. It's a crazy straw into there. <laughs> Perfect. So if you hear the like the, the slurping uh, sound yes. uh, of a straw in an empty bottle, then you'd probably know to like, wrap it up. There you go. I got you. I got you. <laughs> what, uh, what are you drinking, Devin? Uh, I am drinking my my go-to Boda Box Nighthawk Black or whatever the heck it is. <laughs> Night Black Hawk. <laughs> I don't even know. Nighthawk Black Nighthawk Bourbon Black Barrel. Bourbon barrel. I, yes. I am so bad. I cannot. I, I drink it all the time. I still can't say it. <laughs> it's okay. The listeners are used to this. It's fine. Um, <laughs> hey, uh, shout out. Hold on. Speaking of the listeners, shout out to the after show uh, Discord. You know who you are. Oh, yeah. You guys really are awesome. You really. <laughs> Thomas is always like, they're always talking about your show. <laughs> I'm like, I'm embarrassed. I don't know what to say. <laughs> So I brought you on here today for two reasons. Number one, because Stacy is on vacation with James. Uh, <clears throat> last week I was on Oops. vacation, and uh, so Stacy and James did an episode. So now you and I are going to do an episode because that's how this works: spouses and spouses. It's the spouse spouse fest. <laughs> okay, so I mean, just as a last resort, you uh, you dragged me on. I, mm-hmm, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Mm-hmm. All right. No, that's not entirely true. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's only halfway true. (laughs) Um, No, I really... So one of the things that I've talked a little bit about on Weekly Buddy Time already, um, but has been a big kind of 
uh, theme in my life has been this whole gender exploration, discovery, et cetera, et cetera, over the last few years. And, you know, I thought it'd be kind of interesting to talk to you about it. <sighs> Hush, Yami. Um, <laughs> talk to you about it and get your perspective because, you know, I thought that'd be a fun topic for people to hear. That's uh, <clears throat> that, That's funny because I think that, like, People who know us will probably be surprised to learn that we haven't really talked about this a lot. That's true. It's just kind of been like an organic journey that we've never stopped and done a uh, like a, a Dave Allen sort of retrospective on to see how the project's going. <laughs> it's like uh, we need to we need to just sit back and we need to do a check in. Yeah, you know, if you were getting things done, you would you'd really be deliberate about like you know seeing what you've done, where you were, and where you are. And, right. Uh, we just, we definitely haven't done that, and nope. uh, I mean, the last few years have had like a lot of uh, a lot of things happen. Yeah, I mean, not that we haven't been preoccupied with other stuff going on. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I I we have not actually sat down and had a a very in depth conversation about it, and uh, you know, I figured, what the hell, we could do couples therapy, you know, in front of you know at least fifteen of our fa- best friends, and it'll be fun. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, enter it into the public record forever to be uh, archived in the uh, you know, Library of Congress or whatever happens at the podcast. Weekly Buddy Time One Seventy Three entered into evidence in the divorce proceedings. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, that's a terrible joke. I would never do that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I don't know. So I guess we could, we could just dive in, start talking. Um, and I thought kind of what we could do is sort of go back and forth and ask questions and then, um, you know, to each other and kind of see where the conversation leads. I have no, I have prepped lots of notes, but I have no actual plan. (laughs) Yeah, you, uh, you did. And I actually feel... I feel relatively self-conscious because I like you have, oh my God, there's a timeline in here. <laughs> there is a timeline. So, yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right. It starts in 2019. So I guess that's, that's pretty reasonable. Blah, right. Blah, blah. Okay. Like, and I, I'm, I'm ill-prepared. Like I, uh, it's been a busy week and you dropped this idea on me like on yesterday <laughs> and you were like, so how would you feel about like in 12 hours being massively vulnerable, <laughs> uh, in, on a hot mic? And yeah. uh, talk about all these things about our you know, like our identities and our relationship, and you know, see how that goes. And uh, like you know, yesterday, I was having a lot of blood sugar problems, and so I don't. Uh, a good blood sugar is like eighty to one hundred. I was over two hundred, sometimes in three hundred all day yesterday. And right. So we got to like eight thirty, nine o'clock during the bedtime routine last night, and I I sent you a message. I was just like, I can't. I'm not. <laughs> I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you that I am not a good partner right now because that really fucks with your mood. And yes. I just, I can't. I'm grumpy about everything. I cannot do that today. No, that's and so okay. We're, we're giving it a whack today. Right. We're going to give it a, we're going to give it a <clears throat> shot. We're going to give it a shot. Where yeah. do you want to start? This, I guess, this is really your story. Uh, yeah, I guess I could start with a timeline kind of to, because it was interesting because I wanted to get an idea of when stuff happened. And as I was looking back, um, at the last few years, I was really surprised at some of the things that had occurred. Um, so to kind of flashback now to early, early 2019, I had started taking uh, burlesque lessons, which I talked about on Weekly Buddy Time. And it was 
a really awesome and affirming experience and I learned a lot and I met a lot of really awesome people and I got to kind of get to know my body in a way that I had like I'd sit in the the whole life previous just sort of ignoring my body um like it was this thing I did not want to have to deal with and then I started uh messing around in burlesque and I was like oh no my body can be fun I'm gonna play with it um and then, so I was like, yeah, well, that's obviously where all this came from. But there were so many other things that happened. Like my dad, I was estranged from my father for like my entire life. I hadn't seen him since I was six weeks old. And then I finally saw him again in April of 2019. And then on Mother's Day in May of 2019, I had a huge panic attack and ended up in the hospital. And after that started <laughs> Lexapro. Um so like there is all this stuff happening that I can't, but I, it feels like maybe this is related in some way. <laughs> like maybe this had something to do with uh, with the journey that I ended up going on. Um, I turned 40 also in that year. And then I kind of took a break in the summer. I didn't really do anything with burlesque, but then there was the uh, Smoky Mountain Burlesque Fe Festival that they, that they do every year. And I decided to kind of get back into it. And one of the classes that I took in that, and that was in September, was a, uh, was a Drag King class. It was like Drag King 101 or whatever. And uh, it was really interesting. It was hosted by uh, Johnny Deep and Rick Havoc, which, which were two drag kings that I knew and really uh, admired <laughs> in our circle. And there was there was like this whole thing about like getting in touch with your masculine side and like finding those archetypes inside you. And I like had this whole like crazy sort of, I don't know, epiphany or realization or whatever. Um, and then like a couple of maybe a week or so after that, I was like, hey, Thomas, can I wear your clothes to work? <laughs> I do remember that. <laughs> <laughs> and that kind of started it. That was like where my gender exploration stuff really started. And then I started, um, I joined Clam Slam and I started performing. Well, I did my one ever, my only ever uh, performance and drag on stage in January of 2020. Um, and then the pandemic hit. And <laughs> And hello, it's 2020 and it's 2020 has lasted for now two years. But all that being yeah. said, one of the nice things or I think one of the things that, you know, being sequestered at home without having to worry about anyone's, you know, opinion or view or perspective or whatever on me was that it really allowed me to like play and experiment and, um, you know, really explore this part of myself. And that was when I, I think it was like July, I finally came out as non-binary on social media or whatever. And then like I explained it all in a blog entry, which I can link in show notes, uh, like later that year. Um, but, and I'm not the only one, like this was, this was not a unique experience for me. There were a lot of people, um, trans individuals and non-binary people who like the pandemic was sort of their linchpin because it was this place where you could totally feel safe 
being with yourself and like doing a lot of introspection and exploring and not having to be in the public eye and under yeah. a lot of judgment. So yeah, I was actually gonna was gonna touch on uh, whether or not you had heard about how many eggs cracked during mm-hmm. like 2020 and beyond. Oh yeah, absolutely. And and I don't know, like do you, I'm sure. Do you know the the egg term as a slang thing? No, actually, I don't know the egg term as a slang, okay, so th- slang thing. This is where I'm, I'm more online than you are. So the uh, like <laughs> egg true. or egg is usually used to refer to an individual who um, is like genderqueer in some way but they don't know it or like they haven't acknowledged it they're not they're in denial along those lines whatever Mm -hmm. and so it's like egg or egg mode is that person and uh you know cracking is the parlance for you know coming out and leaving leaving your egg (laughs) i like that i like that a lot um yeah i'm I'm not surprised (laughs) right and i mean there were a lot like uh and i can link all these in show notes because i follow uh, a certain amount of trans or non-binary or, you know, groups of people. Um, there is Alex Cox of, uh, um, do by Friday, do by Friday frame. Thank you. Uh, but Alex does a podcast with their husband called two headed girl, which I think started when they were both in very different places. In their lives. Um, Hence the name Two-Headed Girl, I suppose. But I don't really know how or when it started. But I started listening to it whenever um, Matt had started their trans- started his transition. And then, like, at the very beginning of the pandemic, he got top surgery. And, yep. um, and so I was, like, exploring that alongside that specific podcast. And um, Alex was you know, exploring their non-binary gender and also, um, you know, considering top surgery. And then um, I know Elliot Page came out. And then Noelle Stevenson, who is the creator of the She-Ra cartoon that I love so much, uh, also came out as, um, you know, gender non-binary, but had top surgery, uses he, him, or they, them pronouns. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it's like everybody <laughs> during this period of time. It was just like this mess, uh, you know, cracking, I guess, of the egg. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of shit cracked in 2020, okay? <laughs> That's true. That's so true. 2020, a lot of eggs cracking. Um, right. And, and you're thinking that's kind of, you're thinking that's the beginning of your gender journey? Well, I mean it's the beginning of me realizing that I had a gender journey because one of the things, and and, and this, I explained this in my blog post, which I'll um, link to. But one of the things that I realized is like this, it's not like I just suddenly changed and now I'm different. This is how I've always been, but I didn't have the language or the, the metrics or the, you know, framework to understand it. And I feel like, um, like many people who are non-binary or are trans who like <laughs> fight not fight against it or don't realize it or whatever, I had a lot of internalized and externalized transphobia for quite some time in my life, which I didn't own up to until all this happened. <laughs> 
So, um, you know, in the early or mid 2000s, mid to, you know, 2000, 2010s, uh, I had a few friends of mine transition. And I remember being just like, really confused and having a hard time with that initially, because I was just like, but gender is not really a thing anyway. So why? <laughs> It's like, then I, you know, fast forward to 2020, I'm like, oh, I think gender is not really a thing. (laughs) That my, that's, I should look at that, (laughs) you know. So do you think, do you think gender is not really a thing? Well, gender is not a thing for me. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Gender is a thing for other people, obviously, but I was like, you know, I was just like, well, no, gender is not, because you especially when you're younger, you tend to just be like, well, my idea is the way that all people should think. Uh, And then you like get old and you understand that that's dumb. (laughs) And I know that we, we've had conversations about this before and it's like, and you know, I will go ahead and qualify that I'm a mostly straight cis white man. And so nobody should listen to me about fucking anything. (laughs) But um, like my position has just always been, I feel about gender the way that I feel about God. It's like, I just, I don't, no, I don't. I don't have any evidence that it's a literal reality, and I don't actually care. Right, right. <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah. And so, like, I'm sympathetic to people who, you know, have dysphoria or like it's really important to them and whatever else. But it's just like, um, for me, the idea that gender would be fixed in any way is just—I mean, it's, it's baffling. I, right. I, I don't get it. It's, it's all social constructs. And so I just, I've always been very shruggy about it. Um, you know, aside from being, uh, you know, standing in solidarity with people who it is important for. And I mean, I've been ever since, uh, you know, me, um, listeners might not know this about me, but I like, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm like super, super lefty, like, you know, <laughs> Yeah. Armed union member lefty, <laughs> not 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 like you know Pod John liberal. I'm I'm way over there on the left. So um, I've been consuming a lot of content lately about like the war on trans folk and like what you know trans like what transgenderism etc means and blah 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 blah. And it's like you know all the data is indicates that all these affirmations in various ways you know, saves lives. And so I, I right. struggle to be against, uh, you know, any kind of intervention that is dem- demonstrably saving lives. Yes. Um, but, you know, I think that <clears throat> we're, our conversation isn't necessarily very much about, well, I don't know. You tell me, did you transition into non-binariness? That's a really good question. Um, I th- I feel like there was, a and that there still is a certain amount of transition because it was not <laughs> this is going to sound really weird but i feel like it's transitioning into i who, who i really am as opposed to which maybe that's how everybody feels obviously that's how everybody yeah it was, feels i would everybody. definitely i would actually make that assumption <laughs> mind. Uh, so it's not like I've changed. I'm just becoming who I really am. Oh wait, that's what it. That's that means I'm transitioning. Yes, I do think Mom, it's a transition. <laughs> I think that might be what affirmation means. Actually, oh, uh, that's what it is. <laughs> would make perfect sense. Um, well, I mean, I don't know, and maybe it's cheating because it's not uh, the stuff. And just my own personal observation of you is that you've always been like you've always been a fucking weirdo. That's <laughs> um, obviously one of the things I've always loved about you. Yes, right? um, yes. You know, and. 
being feminine has just clearly never been a priority. For <laughs> I don't you. know what you're talking about, Thomas. And I, yeah, I don't say that pejoratively. And you wore like a really nice dress to our wedding. And when <laughs> we did. go out, you would get kind of dolled up. And I think that was, you know, almost entirely, if not literally just for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because, you know, <laughs> because that whole thing. And obviously, you would have been the expectation and you hadn't really started to challenge it yet. But like. Right. I, I don't think that there are a there's like scads of social norms that you know we are mired in in the southeast especially right that you have just never really seemed to give a damn about <laughs> <laughs> and uh you know you've never you've never known how to do makeup like you can do basic makeup but you've always like promised <laughs> air and vocalize like fucking makeup what the fuck yeah yeah it's true and i'm not saying and i mean well, well, I was going to say, I'm not saying that makeup is a part of femininity, but I mean, I was, honestly, I don't know, considering femininity is relatively a construct and blah, blah, blah. But. Right, right. <laughs> uh, related to that, there is a really good book, which I'll link at show notes called, um, how do I remember exactly what it's called? I'll find it. But it's like the little illustrated guidebook to they, them pronouns or something like that. And yeah. it is really, really good. And it talks a lot about gender being a performance and but that also that does not negate like just because it's a performance like that's the point of it and however you choose to perform and whether that performance is fluid and whether or not you change your mind about how you want to present from day to day like that's all valid um yeah and so i you know so yes i think that you're right in that okay i'm going to be femme today i'm going to perform femme today by putting on you know makeup um but yeah um anyway (laughs) i also was uh i was just thinking and i think we mentioned we talked about this at some point um like whenever we first started dating (laughs) and i was like uh yeah i'm just gonna i'm gonna be in footy pajamas and not shave and this is who i am i don't think i had makeup on either i was like come over uh this is who this is this is what you get (laughs) (laughs) if you're willing if you're willing to go down this road then maybe we have a chance (laughs) yeah well i think that i mean not to get too personal and you Mm. know maybe this gets cut out but like i the way that i recall it is that it definitely started there and then i think you may have entered into an arc of much more feminine performance oh yeah definitely after like you tried to scare me off (laughs) and it didn't work and so after that, then I think you were more accommodating for many years. Well, I tested you and then you passed the test and then I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I think that that is absolutely true. I was very, very femme for or at least presenting femme, <laughs> at least out in public for quite, <laughs> for quite a few years. Um, well, I mean, and I don't know how, what kind of detail you want to go into, but like you didn't maintain underarm hair for, you know. Right. Eight years, at least. Right, right. Um, No, I've never really... The underarm hair has been a recent thing. um, Because that is... (laughs) That's... Body hair is highly experimental, uh, the last we talked about it. Yes, it is very highly (laughs) experimental. It's like, so my relationship... We can go off on this tangent. Why not? It doesn't matter. We don't have a plan. Um, My experience with body hair was that I grew body hair very early on and I had really dark hair and so it was very visible um and so I had 
And my mom did not let me shave because she was afraid I was going to cut myself. Um, not on purpose. <laughs> Accidentally. <laughs> let me please be clear. Um, <laughs> okay. That is a very important distinction. It yes. is. It is. Um, so I was like in the sixth, seventh grade and like with all this fucking leg hair and I got made fun of like horrendously. And my mom finally let me use Nair on my legs, which in hindsight is fucking hilarious because my mom. Yes, nothing is safer than a uh, you know a well tested safety razor than a uh, a chemical that is strong enough to burn your fucking hair off. Yeah, marinating that—that's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did Nair my legs. Uh, I don't think I had underarm hair yet, but I did have a lot of leg hair, and I remember so clearly that whole like. I got to do it in the summer right before we went out to visit my aunt in Arizona and she had an outdoor pool and I got to swim in the pool and I remember feeling like a fucking dolphin. Like I was like, I am free. <laughs> I have legs with no, and like, this was not for anybody else. There was nobody else at that. It was just me like right. delighting in the fact that I didn't have to worry about this goddamn hair. Uh, so I've not been a fan of body hair, but as an experiment, I thought I would try to grow out my body hair and see what I thought about it. So I did that from like, I guess October maybe, um, until just last week. <laughs> um, and I ended up growing like a lot of underarm hair and, uh, and my leg hair got really long and, I don't know. I still don't know how I feel about it. There are days where I'm like, look at me, I'm strong and mighty and subverting norms. And then there are days I'm like, God, this stuff is annoying and it's itchy and it smells weird. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't know. Um, yeah. we, we should put a content up. warning on the uh, beginning of this episode. <laughs> what, that I'm talking about my body hair? No, I, I think that we're going to veer into this and just like other like mm. pretty personal categories. No, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> to be fair, though, people are used to that. I mean, in the last episode that I was on, I was talking about digging shit out of my vagina. So, um... Oh, did you tell that story? <laughs> no, I didn't tell that story. Oh, my God. <laughs> are we going to tell that story? I'm okay with telling it. I was going to say, do you, do you want to save it? Do you not want to tell it or save it for Stacy? Because that actually would be really funny. <laughs> Uh, well, Stacey already knows, so it'd be kind of weird if I told her again. But um, You should have saved that reaction for the podcast. <laughs> I probably should have. Um, <laughs> You're so bad at content. God I damn. am so bad at content. I'm the worst at content. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I, I have mentioned before that I've done a lot of experimenting with um, like trying to be more eco-friendly. And so one of the things that I tried was a core cup. And I actually did talk about it on that episode because I was like I tried this core cup and I couldn't get it in uh, and that was when I was talking about putting things up my vagina and how weird that was for me <laughs> so I finally did get it in everyone just yeah, so you the, know uh, the weird thing about things that are hard to get in is they tend to be hard to get back out yeah I mean, that seems totally unex unexpected unless you phrase it that way right exactly um, so I did get it in uh, and then it wouldn't come out and I like shut myself up in the bathroom for what an hour trying i looked around i was like i haven't seen Devin in a couple of hours what's going on <laughs> good night good night Thomas. you looked like a you look like such a wounded puppy when uh <laughs> when i knocked on the door <laughs> thomas knocks on the door he's like are you okay in there and i was like i think i'm gonna need your help <laughs> and i was just like okay so i went and i took a shot of bourbon 
and uh, like, okay, we you know we had birthing classes together, so <laughs> right. we, we've we've got some positions down. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just let's just take care of it. <laughs> so you put on your uh, you know I, I, I did <laughs> gloved up. Yeah. I did glove up. I I, I am that guy. I, I pulled on one nitrile glove, and then I start pulling on the second one. And Devin's like, you're going to glove up both hands? <laughs> and I'm like, I don't think you anticipate how messy this is going to be. Turns out he needed both gloves, just as an <laughs> FYI. <laughs> if you ever find yourself in a uh, similar situation, God. use both gloves. <laughs> and a tarp if you don't have any access to a shower or a bathtub. Uh, yeah, anyway. Or maybe just outside in the woods, away from civilization. <laughs> I, whatever, however you'd want to deal with it. Yeah. So thank you for, you know, rescuing me from my inevitable toxic shock syndrome. <laughs> God, that was so funny. That was that was an interesting situation to be sure. <laughs> um so you you're exploring your body, you're letting different things happen. You right. have no idea how to feel about anything. It kind of seems like <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Which is not a knock. I mean like I don't know how to feel about most things. So, right, yeah. You know, and I'm not going through anything nearly as, uh, you know, core and personal right. as all this. But there are moments when I feel very affirmed and very, like, you know, very... I think we were talking about it the other night, and you were like, you feel very you. And I was like, yes, that's it. Like, moments yeah, of, yeah. of meanness <clears throat> and... Um, you know, whether that's when I bind, because I do have a binder, which I've talked about on the on the podcast before. Um, and, you know, I just feel like I look really good. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah. Because uh, I've, you know, created some type of androgynous look that works for me. Um, or yeah. if I, you know, go to the, um, the fancy 80s glam up thing that they had uh, a few months ago and get all dolled up but also still look very you know you were the queerest goddamn mess when you came back from that (laughs) i was so happy (laughs) i could see that yeah so i mean we're kind of all over the place but i think that like i i talked a little bit about how none of these norms seemed really important to you Mm-hmm. And you seemed largely apathetic to your physical affect for yes. so long. And, <clears throat> I mean, I'd always just assumed that, I mean, you're gay as shit, you're witchy. <laughs> like, I, I just, I don't, I mean, nothing, nothing's a surprise. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> but but I, I will never forget, hold on. Okay, go ahead. I will never forget watching you do your burlesque performance, your femme uh, sunflowers number, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is a killer number, oh, like well, ten ten. Mm-hmm. It's it's a it's a fantastic act, and I hope that you do it again if you feel like you can. Um, but <laughs> I will never forget the way you looked being Seamus so shameless. <laughs> In that fucking fake beard and, you know, pretend to be a drunk and all that stuff on the uh, on the little shitty stage at the gay club. And I had never seen you radiant in that way before. Oh, it was it was just it was revelatory. It was I can't even describe it like you. I've obviously seen you happy. I've been with you through the birth of our, you know, the two of our children that we've had uh, together biologically. Yes. I mean, 
I've been there with you when, you know, a a server has brought a charcuterie board and a <laughs> flight of beers. Um, and some of those things get close. Right. I mean, you were there when we got married. I like to think that that was pretty close, too. <laughs> yeah, you seem kind of into that. Uh, <laughs> but you were never, I mean, you never shown the way you did when you were fucking cross-dressing or whatever you want to call uh yeah. The shameless performance at that time for you, whatever that was. Right. And I mean, I don't know. That was, that was super interesting. Yeah. <clears throat> well, I mean, I guess that's, I can walk into some of these questions for you now. Like, yeah, I was looking at that question list again and you definitely should ask all these questions. <laughs> <laughs> like how, how does it feel for you? Because when we got married, I mean, when we met, I was not, you know, presenting in this way or identifying in this way or whatever. So like, how does it feel to be married as a mostly straight man <laughs> to someone who is non-binary now? Uh, I mean, like, do you feel threatened by that? Is, are you like, am I straight? Am I not? <laughs> yeah. You, I mean, you do identify as mostly straight, which I think you did before I changed my gender <laughs> identification. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I've identified as that ever since I got really drunk and just really enjoyed rubbing beards with uh, <laughs> one of my closest friends. <laughs> she'll remain unnamed. <laughs> <laughs> um, right. Yeah, and I think that's a super good question. And I think that it's, oh, God, I think it's super complicated. Um, would I go now and seek out someone who is super non-binary or even like shading into masculine? I, I don't think I would. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thought a lot about this. Like um, one of the things that I don't publicize a lot is that we are polyamorous, right? Right. Yeah. And so nobody is probably surprised by that. Um, I don't talk about it for like work and personal reasons a lot. But, yeah. Um, you know, as as part of the meta of being conscious of the idea that I could establish new relationships at kind of any moment, I've done a lot of thinking about this sort of thing. And, like, I don't think that I would pursue someone who was non-binary shading masculine. I think there are a lot of people who are non, non-binary shading, like, fairly feminine, mm-hmm. where I could have a conversation. But, um, I don't know, the mostly straight moniker that I hold to... I just am generally more drawn to fems right. in like presentation and that's just the way it is. But like, that's not where we started. Right. Right. And so like I, and again, this is on 24 hours notice to really like <laughs> think this through and present it to a public audience. Right. But I think there's something really complicated to the idea that like on the one hand, you know, we had this intimacy that was developed over 10 years before this was even a significant question. Right. <clears throat> and also the fact that, you know, we're in a open relationship means that like I can like, you know, I have femme partners. So right. that's like, I'm not saying that that's like an outsourcing or anything, but just like, it's, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not limited to dating a masculine person. I'm not married just to a masculine person when it comes to affection and stuff. And right. the, the foundation that we developed doesn't, mean that I perceive you as a masculine partner. It means I perceive you as, you know, my Devin. So that's, right. that's got, it's a, uh, it's got so much baggage that I, it's very difficult to even try to approach because there's so much behind it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so much of our history is in both places, but I mean, you know, that's why I'm non-binary and why I'm not becoming a 
trans mask or you know uh identifying as male because yeah like i obviously still have feminine traits and feminine things that i love and are a part of my you know identity in life um I will always be mom. I want to be mom. Like that is <laughs> right. a, I'm a very nurturing mom that I'm cool with that. Um, you know, my kids don't have to call me parent or come up with a weird name for me. <laughs> and it's fine. <laughs> yeah. You've already built that relationship and you're happy with it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, there, there are certain typically feminine things that, um, that are still part of my identity too. So I feel well, like and that also, helps. Sorry, I'm I'm doing that man no. thing and interrupting. Uh, you know. Why are you talking over me? I know. <laughs> I gotta put a dollar in the ginger jar, but um, <laughs> I think we would also be probably kind of remiss just to talk a little bit about our relationship specifically, right? In how we have <laughs> how we have uh, presented our gender roles, anyway. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> because I mean, I'm. In a lot of ways, the lady in the house. You are. Uh, if you, you were are to the look wife. At, like the, <laughs> I'm a little bit the wife. If you were to take the uh, leave it to Beaver sort of situation, like I'm the, I'm I'm the primary cleaner. I'm the primary doer of dishes. Right. Um, the, you you are and always have been the uh, the daddy on like <laughs> kids' school issues. Right. Which yes. I appreciate, but yes. it's not like I'm absent from that. And I think that like, sorry, I moved away from my mic. I think that like. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know how I, how I ended up this way, right? I mean, my family was Baptist growing up and uh, whatever, but I, I feel like I've always been more feminine and more egalitarian right. in, <laughs> in household management than well, generally is found. I agree. I also would just like to point out that your dad is also very much that way. Like your dad <laughs> does the laundry and your dad helps clean and your dad cooks and your dad... <laughs> Like does the dish like your dad, there is not, I have heard so many stories, so many in my personal opinion, horror stories over the years from people who like are in these weird relationships where like the, the husband comes home and sits down and puts his feet up and the wife has to like do everything. And that is insane yeah, to you me. You know, you open the door, you're wrapped in cellophane, you've got a beer in your hand for him and he's still mad at you. Right. It's, it's nuts. <laughs> but I do think that there's a lot of people who have to deal with that. Um, and that was never the way that your dad acted. That was never the way my family acted. Um, oh yeah. Your grandfather was, my, uh, was yeah. this way. Yeah, yeah, my grandfather. I mean, who was basically, I mean, your grandfather, your grandmother were basically like your biggest parental influences, right? They, they were. I mean, my, I had like a like a triad, right? So I had my <laughs> grandparents and my mom. And my mom was kind of like the flaky, flighty one. And then I had my grandparents who were like this, the solid, stable ones. But they were like nuts as hell. So don't let that fool you. It wasn't like I had a very like stable background. Um, but my grandmother was very much like the, the combative action oriented, uh, with withholding emotion, withholding, you know, like she was the one who told me not to cry. She was the one who told me to like man up. Right. Like that yeah. was, that was all messaging that I was getting from both my grandmother and my mom growing up. Like you weren't supposed to have emotions. You weren't supposed to be fluffy. Right. Um, you know, you were supposed to be badass and like kick everyone's butt. And that was not what I wanted. My grandfather, on the other hand, like <laughs> baked cakes and, 
you know, uh, held uh, on tended to... Tended to flowers. Tended to flowers, like made very elaborate gardens and held on to all of my childhood toys for sentimental reasons and hugged me. He was the one who hugged and, me. And you he know? also represented the masculine in the, you know, the building. The, right. the builder, the defender, the, the yada yada, right? Oh, I mean, yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, there was always a gun. There was always, uh, like, yeah, he was not like a complete, you know, femme kind of guy. He was very much, I mean, he fought in two wars and, um, you know, he was definitely a very masculine person yeah. by standards, but he had no, um, it, it, he was perfectly happy playing both roles. Um, and was the one who was the affectionate and like, you know, emotional one out of the right. family. Um, yeah. And honestly, I, and, and I was, and I was Peppa. I, he was, he was mine. Like <laughs> when I was a kid, I was Peppa's girl. I was a Peppa's yep. girl. So yeah. Anyway, go ahead. Yeah. And I don't, I, I don't think you're wrong. And you know, I don't, I don't know if dad's ever going to listen to this and maybe <laughs> hope he doesn't, but, um, <clears throat> There's a, it, I, I inherited a weird dichotomy from that relationship because on the one hand, I don't think he, the, my dad was ever emotional in a significant way. Right. But you're right. He was always like very egalitarian in their partnership, even though, even quote, even though he was the breadwinner and my mom was stay at home and blah, blah, blah. Right. Um, and your dad. And he, and again, I talked about this on, um, what was Lisa's show? Uh, okay, but why? Okay, but why? <laughs> it's like, you know, my dad's nominally a Baptist, but I mean, I've seen him walk out into the woods and talk to trees and right. he doesn't, he, I've never seen him go to, a, the one time I saw him in a church was for my baptism when I was a kid. Right. Before we got drummed out of the church. And like, that was the literally only time. <laughs> and, you know, just so like, I think that a lot of me is definitely informed by that. Like right. the whole... I mean, how eh, how important is organized religion really? Eh, like, maybe I should just go outside. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, but also your dad is. I mean, he now he doesn't he doesn't cry like you do, um, which is not a slight at all. I love that about you. Um, <laughs> and he might. I don't know. I just haven't seen. No, him No, do he it. does not. I've okay. never seen him cry. Okay. Well. If I've ever seen him cry, it would have been like 20 years ago when somebody died. Right, right. And it wasn't an open situation. Yeah. Like there may have been teary eyes that were hidden, but I've never seen him cry the way that I just openly weep <laughs> at turning red in front of Kess. <laughs> she does not God know damn. what to do with that. They do not know what to do with that. Sorry. Mm -mm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's... Anyway, um, that's another story. Uh, yeah, but he... Like, I remember, I ha I still, one of my favorite memories of your dad is, like, him meticulously making all of these Christmas treats and boxing them up with this beautiful letter <laughs> of, like, memories of growing up and sending it to, like, all of the family. <laughs> like, 
that was yeah your dad is very sentimental yeah that was the uh that was the popcorn balls right <laughs> yes like they were popcorn and balls so, i mean and, my dad will do yeah. the thing that you do where it's like okay my dead uh parents or whatever <laughs> like used to do this meticulous process for making this obscure thing and their uh instructions were always like eh, shrug i don't know put sugar in it right and <laughs> you're trying to recreate that and it's like chasing a goddamn dragon's tail mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> although i do think he figured out the pop- figured out the popcorn balls yeah um, yeah but you're right he he is immensely sentimental that way yes absolutely which is not necessarily something that is normally associated with masculine traits so um i was also just throwing that out there but all of that to say wow that was a long tangent but you know our relationship has always been very as you said egalitarian and i think just very inherently queer like we've never had defined roles for anything we just both do what we gotta do like (laughs) if something needs to be done one of us does it (laughs) we've fallen you know over many years we have fallen into the habit of finding the things that we're good at right and eagerly taking those things and then kind of figuring out how to distribute the rest (laughs) exactly exactly you know, you you love or things that we enjoy, like you love um, mowing the yard, and I love doing laundry, partially because I'm a control uh-huh. freak. Yeah. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, laundry. I just want to point out that uh, you know, I I tried doing laundry. I know. And uh, and I said it didn't no. Go well. I said don't do that I, ever I again. I was told. I was told no. Yes, you were. You were. I'm very. I have. I'm a very control freak about my laundry. I understand that. I always have been. But you know where this comes from? This is another tangent. Um, Mugger, my grandmother, would do my laundry against my will when I was young because I knew how to do my laundry. And she would fuck up all my clothes. Oh, no. (laughs) Because she would dry, she would wash everything on like hot. And as a young gothling, all of my clothes were pitch black until she washed everything on hot a million times. And then they became a very dingy gray. Um, Oh, dear. And also I had lots of delicate clothes, which she would just wash on hot. And I'd just be like, what the... So yeah, I'm. Very- and just so the listener understands this path, this pathology, I I may have like flubbed and ran something on hot once, <laughs> and then I was like, well, you could like provide me written instructions. I'd be happy. No, nope. happy to work with it. Yeah, it was just like nope. Hey, nope. I I said I gave you permission to wash things on vacation. I felt like that was very big of me. Yeah, I, I have blanket permission to uh, wash my own clothes. I am like. My clothes and the kids' clothes. Yeah. That's fine. You can fuck those up all day long. Just never Not the Devon stack. Not my clothes. <laughs> I want my t-shirts to last forever. I have a very specific... Anyway. Um, so, yeah. So, we've always been very... Uh, we don't. It's not like we have a prescription. It's not like we say, oh, well, you do this and, and I do that. Like, I don't, we don't even really have... We don't have an assignment... We just do the things that we do and they end up evening out. And there are some weeks or weekends or whatever where I do more and there are some weeks or weekends that you do more. Um, And it all comes out in the wash. It's like... Yeah. I mean, one of the... uh, And I'm sorry if anybody does this, but like one of the things that we would kind of talk behind our friends' backs about was a friend (laughs) we used to have um, who had a spreadsheet 
of things oh, like God. this. Oh, God, yes. And they would be like, you know, if I do X thing, then that means that I earn license to do Y thing. Like, I mean, I'm not, literal spreadsheets. Yeah. And, I mean, they're, that turns out that guy was a massive narcissist and uh <laughs> And it did not, it did not turn out well. Yeah. And it turned out to be not the healthiest uh, situation. And no. so that's fine. But like, I do feel like there is a, when I talk to other people about relationships, I think there's a minor version of that. And we just, I mean, I don't know. I think we were both probably raised in the tradition of if you see something needing doing, you do it. Right. Exactly. And so that's just like <laughs> our so governing just, philosophy. We just do it. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. We we both have very similar triggers when it comes to what is just like dramatically unacceptable. And so we don't often end up in conflict. (laughs) That is true. With a few exceptions. (laughs) With a few exceptions. Yes, yes. Um, All right. What what else you got on your list there? Okay, uh, I know. We're getting... We're going to meander because actually this is what we do. And uh, we've talked about this a lot. We've talked about starting a podcast. Yes. um, And calling it Kitchen Counter Talks. (laughs) Because what will happen is Devin is putzing around in the kitchen doing something, usually like packing lunches for the kids or something similar. And I will just kind of hop in there and sit on the counter next to them. And uh, like we'll talk about... We'll talk about a lot of things. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, and we're always like halfway through that conversation thinking, God, we should be recording this. So, if only we'd recorded this. This is really good. Exactly. This is great this, content. This is great content. This is why Thomas was saying I'm so bad at content. Uh, what is the hardest thing about having a gender queer spouse? Um, I'm going to say personally the whole body hair situation because I'm... okay. As, as is ironic for somebody as fuzzy as I am. Um, I'm pretty anti-body hair. <laughs> Look, we're not going to uh, talk partners. about... Well, no, never mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, th- and that's fine. That's like... That's the smallest possible thing. I don't personally experience a lot of other issues, I guess. Right. Because, again, this is just a uh, an expression of who you are. And it's not <laughs> surprising or that different 99% right. of the time. So, it's... Um, not necessarily something that even gets noticed a ton. Right. Yeah. Um, along those same lines, if I ever decided to have top surgery, like, how would you react to that? Oh, man. Um, I love boobies. I can't. I know I can't. you do. <laughs> and again, that goes back to my preference for the femme. Yes, um, yes, yes. So I do I do prefer that titties be in the equation, but I guess it uh, I don't know how much it matters. If I didn't have body I, I hair, know, but I had a top surgery. Oh, well, see, this is a <laughs> this is a false dilemma because I know you. I know you're a virgin to medical procedures. I know that, that like top surgery isn't even remotely in the cards unless there's like <laughs> some kind of like medicinal precursor to it. So right. <laughs> I don't know. I think that like, I think that that might stoke fears of a more specific masculine transition because like, you know, mask isn't my thing. So that would be concerning and I would have to do a lot of spade work to feel, to figure out how I feel about it and how to handle it. But I wouldn't like, I wouldn't begrudge you. I think that that's one of the very interesting things about where we have gotten to in our journeys as like individuals, as partners, as polyamorists. It's just like, 
if you wanted to have top surgery, I wouldn't like, I wouldn't try to stop you. Right. Um, but again, I just, <laughs> it's not something I've thought a lot about because it just, the idea, I, I, I saw you go under for gallbladder surgery, which is, <laughs> was a laparoscopic <laughs> procedure. It was outpatient. I took you home the same day. And <laughs> they had to give me, they had to give me anxiety medicine yeah. to put me under. <laughs> right. It's so that's just not something I've thought a lot about. <laughs> no, I don't like, that's the only time I've been under the knife, right? Like, cause even with the kids, I was awake. Hmm. Um, so that's the only time yeah, I've, ever, I've so. ever been knocked out and it was terrifying. I hate, hate the idea of going under for anything. And obviously yep. I could not stay awake while they sliced my boobies off. Um, so yeah, no, and I don't think that's, and I don't think that's an outpatient procedure. So it's a, it's a whole thing. Just thinking about it is giving me anxiety. So I don't think it's going to happen. Yeah. And like my read of you is that you're so apathetic about it. (laughs) Like, I mean, I don't know if I don't do something about like the weight gain I'm doing, then I might have bigger boobs than you at, uh, you know. Like the, the, the intersection might be probably September this year if I don't get on the rowing machine or something. So I don't know. I just, I just, I just don't see it. I don't see it as being important. Um, my concern would be that that would signify some kind of like push towards the mask. I and got you. Like I said, that's not, and I'm not even saying that that would be a deal breaker for us because right. I mean, like I said, as polyamorous, we have complete and utter freedom to mm-hmm. define how our relationships work. And so um, and one of the things we talked about in discussing this episode was whether or not we wanted to talk about that on mic. And I mean, I'm nervous cause I don't like, I still have professional and familial reservations to even talking about that. Right. Um, right. But like that does change things when you are in a project of disassociating your like very specific personal identity from being totally and completely enmeshed in some kind of monogamous reproductive project. (laughs) If that makes sense. It really just opens up the playing field for like, how should these things go? How do I feel about things? How would like I go forward with like whatever? Right. Right. Well, I mean, we're playing without any playbook, right? And that's part, part of why, it's exciting and it works and you know, we get, I mean, I think that's why we work so well together because we're both very comfortable being like, well, how do we do this? <laughs> yeah. It's just like open mind. Uh, no dumb, no dumb questions. Right. Let's figure out what to do. And um, that's always worked really well for us. And I think that that's one of the, you know, just candidly, one of the really, strong things that has come out of this quote unquote transition um, over the last couple of years for, for our relationship is that, you know, when I first came to you and asked if I could borrow your clothes, I was like, I had no idea how you were going to react. And I had a lot of anxiety (laughs) and I was really nervous about the fact that you might, um, you know, reject me (laughs) for being, for presenting in a more masculine way. And part of this journey has been a um, a reestablishment of of the trust that was already there, but just like reinforcement, I guess more is what yeah. I'm looking. Um, the word I'm looking for is reinforcement. Um, 
maybe um, affirmation. Yeah, to be, yes. Uh, have like kind of a repeating theme here. Right, right. <laughs> um, because, you know, you were like, I will support you in anything. And also I will delight in you being delighted in yourself. And there has been a great deal of, um, of affirmation in that and knowing that, you know, no matter what, I do, no matter who I am, whatever, like you have already decided I am your person and that that's a really big deal to me. (laughs) So I appreciate that. Yeah, obviously same. (laughs) Um, my, my one request would be, I hope that you dig up that, uh, one photo of you being shameless. Shameless, oh shameless, shameless, oh shameless. Yeah, but you know, you know the one I'm talking about, where you have like the sign, like the, yeah. the sign lifted, and you're like, like raising the crowd up. <laughs> Make that the cover art for this episode. <laughs> okay, I can do that. Because again, it's just the most radiant thing. No, well, that means that means a lot. <laughs> but I mean, I do feel very comfortable. Like if I. If I got to the point where I was like, you know what, despite all the risks, I feel like top surgery is the thing I need to do. Like, I don't feel at this point in our relationship that you'd be like, well, that's a deal breaker. <laughs> you'd be like, well, let's no. let's talk about that. You know, like it would be a discussion and there might be yeah. whatever, but like it would not like, be. What, what does this mean for like these four different domains? And right. I mean, that's fine. That's I, I think that I mean, I don't want to dunk on the straights too much. But like, but as a mostly straight, straight white man, I think you're allowed. But as a mostly straight white male, uh, you know, married to like a super fucking queer weirdo, um, I think that the straights who marry straights don't talk enough about things, and you know, they're based on way more assumptions than I personally, as a mostly straight person, are am comfortable with. And so, right. yeah, I mean, if it doesn't matter what either of us like feels like is necessary for our own identities. We could like, you know, come together and, you know, facilitate each other in this project that we have going. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's so funny. Cause you always, res- you always have that. You always refer to our relationship as a project. And I always yeah. have like an immediate aversion to that. And then, and then followed by an immediate, like, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> in the way that I am always two different things at the same time. Um, it's always two things with you. It's always two things with me. <laughs> um, anyway. Uh, so, well, yeah, I think that, I, well, I mean, just to touch on that, I yeah. think that there is a, generally there is a lacking uh, language for talking about things that you are a part of that are bigger than you. Right. And I think that a lot of people will take something like marriage and not really be very explicit about the fact that this is a project you're engaged in that is bigger than you. Right. If that makes sense. Right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's something that you have to work on. And I think that that's something that I have a lot of humility about something that I could do better because, you know, especially with the children that we have. There and and the rest of our lives, I have so much energy going in all these different directions. I do think that I could. That was one of the things I was thinking about listening to Stacy and James' episode last week. Was like I really need to devote more time to this quote unquote project that we have going on. <laughs> 
um, because it's important and I love it. And it's one of the most positive things in my life and I should spend more time with it and not just assume that it'll be okay. It's a well-oiled machine and it's going to continue to run forever without some attention. So anyway, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I think that like one of the themes of our relationship is deliberation. Like I think that we are both pretty deliberate. Yes. I mean, I, I would say that, I mean, just, just going to kind of throw you into the best a little bit. I think I'm a, <laughs> a little bit more deliberate than you are. I was about literally about to say that. So you're not throwing me under the bus. But <laughs> you're, I th- you're just being honest. <laughs> but like, I think that I'm a super, super deliberate person. And yes. I think that the thing that works with us, because you are, you are not, you're, you're the dreamer. I'm the fun us. one. <laughs> you're the fun one. But what makes us work is that when I stand there and I'm like, no, this is like, this is a thing we have to talk about. Then that's not something that ever generates resentment. And right. it seems like instinctually there from your side is a, well, okay, let's talk about that. Right. <laughs> and that swings a, like in the other way. Sometimes, you know, like you went on that, uh, you went on vacation a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. And I was and personally, I was just like, you're going to take our couple of kids like, and be solo responsible for them in a different environment for like a week. (laughs) It sounds like hell. I would never do that. (laughs) And I think that was probably like a good, it was a good situation for them. It was stressful for you, but like they had, they had a great time. Yeah. But I, I think that like in the same way that my deliberation can be a weakness and you know this, like I will, I I went to that thing for work today. I texted you 17 times. (laughs) asking you if you think this will be okay (laughs) because my deliberation like you know trends into paralysis whereas your your whimsy you know like the worst it can do is like you know you don't fill up your gas tank as often as i wish you would and so like you know you're at risk of being stranded by and have to be picked up by triple a i was gonna say there is a risk there (laughs) there's a real risk there and but like, like, I can get, I'm sure I can get to work on this. I mean, it's and, showing and I, empty. <laughs> and I know you talked about like, uh, how grateful you were that I packed a bunch of stuff for you yes. for going to the beach trip, but I don't know how much you went into the like, okay. And here are the seven contingency, like, uh, you know, special items in your inventory. <laughs> I'll be honest. I didn't actually look at all of them. <laughs> ah, <laughs> There was like Devin, I was, what if you had needed that multi-tool? I was looking no, I remember the multi-tool. I did not use it, but I remembered it was there. Um I was no, actually I did use it. I did use the knife on it for um cutting something oh, for hell the kids. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. Uh I was looking for like my medicine one night and I was like, what even is all this? I mean, it was just bandages and right. uh bacitrin and multi-tools and flashlights. It's not a big deal. So much stuff, but it was. And, I, and one of the differences between you and me is that you came back from that, and you were like, "Oh, I ran out the battery on that flashlight," and this was like an eighteen six fifty lithium ion cell, and I was just like, "Jesus God, how did you run out? Use it as a nightlight. That much, yeah, that much fucking power in a light. In a, in a light. Like, well, use it as a nightlight. Okay, well, definitely wasn't designed to run for eight hours at a time. So I, I guess I can see it." <laughs> Have you met our child? Do you know how they are? <laughs> they don't have enough don't light know. in the room? And then my next thought was just like, well, daddy fucked up. He didn't put a nightlight in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I 
love that that is your reaction. Um, now, let me ask you, does, yeah. uh, as, as a non-binary queer person, does being married to a straight man uh, make you feel less queer? <laughs> well, not anymore. <laughs> It's like big enough, and that that may have sound like a that may have sounded like a facetious question, but like I did say that, knowing how loaded biphobia is, right? No, absolutely, <laughs> it is. It's a big deal, but you know, the fact that I live a very from the outside people who don't know me at all. Uh, from the outside looking in, yeah, I mean, and people aren't like yeah, people who are squinting and not really uh, not <laughs> looking really at you looking, too closely, right? Anyway. Right. <laughs> Um, like I have a very cishet looking life and it is not (laughs) at all, but it does look that way. Um, but I think that when I, even though I was like, my sexuality has not changed. I'm still bi plus or whatever. I found that term recently. I'm very excited about it. Uh, because I always struggled with whether or not I was bi or pan because I grew up understanding myself as bisexual. You're too old. You're too old to be pan. I, That's just not right. Sorry. Exactly. <laughs> um, and I was like, well, bisexual covers everything, you know, male, female and everything in between. And, you know, the, the Utes were like, no, you have to be pan if you want. And I'm like, I get that. <laughs> But this is how I've always identified, so I'm having a hard time here. Um, but by plus covers all of it, so I love it. So I can just add a little plus to it, and it's perfect. Um, <laughs> you said you said to like new coke it up a little bit, right? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, I don't identify with that concern for two reasons. Number one, I've always identified as queer um and then two uh i did not grow up (laughs) christian at all so like i have no concept that anything that i'm doing is against any type of higher power at all um like this is the way that life is uh and so that definitely helps me in my journey but you know i (laughs) I have been called. I have been called out in the past on having a very cishet life, and I. I. I mean, <laughs> well, unless yes. you're unless you have more than one instance, I don't think you have been called out in good faith. Okay, fair enough. I've been called out by one person <laughs> for having a cishet life. Um, I mean, maybe you were called out on one person who was actively engaged in a project of abandoning you and was looking for an excuse. I, I mean, I'm not casting judgments or aspersions here. Right. Maybe that's that's how I think of that. Right. <laughs> Um, but you know, there's a lot of ways that I have felt in my life that maybe I was selling out or trying to be more normal or whatever. Um, but I don't feel like, I feel like that has been, those have been decisions that I have made for myself, but have had nothing to do with our relationship, if that makes sense. Like, uh, the way that I presented myself or the way that I have decided to share my life with, you know, or knowledge of my life with other people, like that's a decision I get to make, you know? Um, but I met you and I met you outside of gender or anything else. And you were, you were the person that I wanted and that worked for me because we work so well together and that's still true. So I don't, I guess, 
my point is that I don't feel like you make me a cishet person. Um, and I feel like, especially now that I have become more, <laughs> you know, like at home with my identity, um, like, I'm just like, okay, yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm me and this is my life and, and I don't really care what anybody else thinks. Also, I'm getting fucking old and I just don't care anymore. I mean, you know, you get a certain point. Yeah. Your, your give a damn runs out of fuel. It and, is uh, so running out of fuel. You know, the time you got left is relatively short. So you're just like, well, fuck that. I'm going to go do what I want. Right. <laughs> right. So I do not feel threatened at all by my situation. And I feel, I do not feel like I am in the wrong relationship or situation, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I, I definitely, like, you know. I, I I feel that. <laughs> like I'm happy where I'm at. Does it does it bother you bother you as a polyamorist if like I specifically am somebody who really kind of literally only engages with like femme partners and I, like if I don't end up with any NB or whatever partners would that like cause any kind of weirdness for you? No, I don't think so. I mean, I obviously am more concerned about whether or not you and I still have a connection in some way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in a lot of ways, the fact that we are polyamorous and you have these other outlets has been a bit freeing for me because I don't have... You don't have to wear a dress. I don't have the pressure of having <laughs> to be that for you, right? Like, there are other places where you can get this this <laughs> it doesn't have to be right. me um and so it does allow me to be a little bit more expressive in in other parts of my personality um and not having to always be femme right like that is right. not the role that i have to play um and that does there is a lot of liberation in that so in some ways yeah. i feel like the combination of these two things kind of blossoming at the same time in our relationship has 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 been a a very has been a boon for for both sides of that yeah yeah i i feel that yeah um and and again i think i touched on it earlier but like you know it's not that i don't know it's not that there's like any kind of replacement or whatever in the polyam situation but just right. like the thought technology that you don't have to be every everything. Yes, for yes, someone else. Yes, yes. Everything all the time, forever, Louisa style, and just you know, right. Uh, relieving that pressure is pretty incredible. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you know, like the idea that oh hey, I mean, and we've talked about this too before, you and me. You know, like there, I like having nights where I can just not talk to anybody. <laughs> just like, go. <laughs> I can read in my bed and just like turn off and you know like there's that there's having that introvert time is huge for me um so you know and and conversely having extrovert time for me is right kind of critical right exactly (laughs) it's like you and I are complete opposites on that and I have this crazy feeling of obligation that I'm supposed to connect with people and do all this stuff so like I will book myself to completely up because I'm like oh I need to connect with these people and do this and be there for people and blah 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 and you know provide all these experiences and you know and I wear myself out and so like the one night a week that I'm able to just like, okay, I'm just going to go home and 
put the kids to bed and read and watch wrestling and like go to bed early is so awesome so um in fact whenever you come home a little bit earlier i get a little upset i know i hate doing that to you but, uh... <laughs> like why are you coming home can you just like go to a bar or something <laughs> like an hour now, just just so that the just so that the you know listener knows, uh, I am very conscientious of that, and I'm just like, don't mind me. I'm gonna pour a bourbon. You I'm gonna are go back very downstairs. good. Yes, I'm gonna play Elden Ring. Like I'm not. I am not here. Don't you worry your pretty little envy head about it. Just, <laughs> you are very good about don't that. Mind I appreciate me. that. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, okay. I have one final question. I think we can wrap up. Okay. Um, yeah, we're like at the 145 mark. Yeah, I know. Uh, we'll see what that is after editing. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, okay. So what advice would you give someone else who might be in the same situation? So maybe their, their spouse um, was a different gender when they first got married and they're exploring and discovering different gender identities. Um, like what advice would you have for them? Um, honestly, I don't think that I would offer any advice I wouldn't give literally anyone else in a relationship. Um, okay. And I hope that's not like, hold on. And I hope that that isn't generally like hoity toity or whatever, but like, (laughs) you're not going to, I think that there is enough of a social reinforcing framework Mm -hmm. that like a cishet couple, (laughs) can be really bad at communication and a number of other things, but like, you know, all the frameworks are there for that to just be fine. Right. Um, if your relationship starts to queer up, if it didn't start that way, especially, um, you're not gonna, you're just not going to survive it. If you don't, if you're not proactive about, uh, communication and setting boundaries and, you know, just really working on understanding each other. Um, that's that's the only thing I would have because I, I don't think that there's anything about. I mean, how would you phrase it? I don't the dealing with no. Um, I don't think there's anything about this that's unique to, you know, one partner deciding that they're not as femme as they started out. Right. I, I, I just don't. I, I think that it's all you know, as they say in basket. It's 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 all fundamentals. Um, and I think if you start there and you focus there, I think you'll probably be all right. You know, um, I do think that one of the things that you have to embrace when you are a real rationalist about these things is like you start at step zero that all relationships should start out with, which is like the thought that like, you know, I have my identity and my needs Mm -hmm. and it's okay if this relationship doesn't work. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and like, you know, I, it's obviously very, this project that we're in, this relationship is very important to me. Right. But you know, <laughs> it's, it would also be okay if it didn't work out. Like it would suck. Um, well, it's like in our vows, right? Whenever we do our vows, <laughs> we're like, we're here as long as we feel like it. And then we're going to check out if, if it gets yeah. annoying. 
Yeah, exactly. It's just like, as long as we can make this work. (laughs) Devin wrote our vows based on some pagan (laughs) bullshit. And so our our vows were literally something like, our names will be the ones that we scream in the night. And uh, as long as we're good for each other, we won't fuck off and leave. Right. And so... They were great, but they were very much. Yeah. The funniest thing about our vows is that like, I think part of it was like, you will, uh, I'll offer you the first bite of my meat and the first drink. And like, that's like the thing we literally need to use all the time. It's like (laughs) we're at a restaurant and we're like, well, you can have the first bite of my meal because it's in our fucking vows. (laughs) Yeah. We also did a water sharing ceremony, but that was pretty cool. That's neither here there. But, uh, I mean, just, just again, it's all, it's all fundamental relationship stuff. Um, I, I, I'm a firm believer that like monogamous people, polyamorous, whatever, like whatever you are, um, all these toolkits are actually the same. Yeah. And it's just that when you start, (laughs) um, in, you know, there's this term force multiplier, like C4, right? Like you could do a lot of, you, you could you could punch a wall and you're not going to get very far, but you put some C4 and you could blow the wall up, right? Like mm-hmm. all of these weird complicating factors in relationships are force multipliers and they really just mean that you could fuck up harder and faster mm. if you're not being deliberate. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know that that's the best analogy, but um, it's all the same fundamentals. I don't, you know, you just gotta, you gotta be yourself. You gotta be true to yourself. You gotta, identify your needs and you get to talk to people you get to talk to everyone and communicate communicate it's so important yeah and you know and not only communicate but also not only communicate but also have expectations because it's one thing to communicate if you're like one person and you communicate at another person and Mm -hmm. then nothing changes then i i think that one of the things you have to hold real dear is the expectation that your needs are needs that are going to be met right and you know if that's with this partner that's good if it's not going to be with this partner then that's also good i mean don't right (laughs) you know just just don't assume that there's no other thing that could happen i guess if that makes sense (laughs) i feel like um for me you know we've had it we've had a very long history uh i say very long i mean it's what like thirteen years or something? So it's like not- I write up to fifteen is close enough. I write yeah, up to fifteen. That's true. It's, I guess it's more like fifteen. But um, you know, so it's not like in a century of of time, you know. But it's but it's a it's a length of time, and yeah. I feel like there have been moments in our relationship where we have struggled, and in those moments, those have been more about one or the other of us or both of us not being honest with ourselves and honest with each other. Like, not like trying to necessarily like specifically hold, withhold information. It wasn't like a conscious Not hiding thing. something, but not understanding where we were. Right. And then not being able to communicate that. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And so I feel like, you know, the first rule always is to be, understanding of who you are and what you need and being in tune with yourself communicate with yourself first and then once you have fully communicated with yourself then communicate with the other person slash people in your life um yeah and i feel like that is very important for me and i think that's kind of what you're trying to say too well i'm gonna i'm going to uh you know uh 
editor cut this out if it doesn't work, but I'm going to try to torture an analogy here. Oh um, boy. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a gun person. And so like, ah. if, you're sh- if you're shooting a rifle, okay. like in your target shooting, you want to, you want to put it on the bullseye, right? Uh-huh. There's this concept of points of contact. And so the more places that this instrument is attached to your body in a deliberate way, the more steady it's going to be. And the more likely you are to be able to put things on target. And so if you're in a position where you are not able to make those contacts with yourself, then you are not going to be able to affect anything outside of yourself in the way that you want it to. That's fair. Yes. Does that make sense? Yes, that does make perfect sense. Perfect sense. And I wanted to just bring up as like our, maybe this could be our closing I thought or whatever is you know as a spoiler alert we did so thomas did not want to record last night but we ended up talking about pretty much all of the content of the episode by accident yeah. uh late into the evening no by a deliberate project i did that on purpose <laughs> oh okay okay um <laughs> but uh <laughs> i thought it was an accident uh th- this is shows you the difference between the two of us but he <laughs> One of the things that he said at one point was like, you know, I, I really love being in this project with you or something like that. And I was like, but what about when the kids grow up uh, and leave the house? And Thomas looked at me and was just like, that's not what I was talking about. And I like had this yeah. moment of just like, oh. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of the project. That's not, I mean, that's not all of it. Right. I mean, you, know, you and me, we're, we're the project. We're the project. <laughs> Oh God, God help us all then. Um, but no, it, that was ridiculously sweet. And that meant a lot to me because it, I mean, it's true. It's not, it is the life that we've built, but it's not just the life that we've built. And that is, and, or these little pieces are not the whole life that we've built. And so I think that that is an important thing to keep in mind for, not just for us in our situation, but for anybody like it's not just the ancillary trappings of your life, the kids and the house and the, you know, careers and the whatever friends and whatever else you've, you've, you have together. It's not just that. It's also the actual thing that you've built with that person. Right. And you know, and you, you use the line earlier, I think like, you know, the whole your person sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't, I don't think I love that language specifically just from like the polyamory context, but like, there's something there's something to the idea that like I, I don't know about the phrase, you know, your person, but I do very much feel that there is nobody I would rather do these things with, if that makes sense. Right. Like there's nobody that I could cohabitate and nest with and, you know, that's not necessarily like a, specifically a children's thing. It's just like you know. Right. Uh, we work really well there, and I am always grateful for that. If I lived with anybody else, I would have long ago thrown them off the front porch or buried them in the back of the ridge. Um, there's absolutely no way. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I do not do well <laughs> cohabitating in space with other people. Um, and you were the only person that I've ever been able to do that with without like wanting to blow my brains out. Uh, yeah, I'm not saying that you're like the least annoying person because that's not as romantic. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, 
I mean, I don't know. I'd just like, you know, maybe, maybe that's the advice I'd circle back to. Just give yourself permission to be fucking weird. Don't, don't worry about it. I like that. I like that. <laughs> I always want permission to be as fucking weird as I possibly can. Um, no, I, I love this. I love you. I love what we have. And I'm glad that you, you know, are on this crazy journey with me. That that's, and you know, that's not, a. That's something we say to each other a lot. Yes. <laughs> and, and, and I love it. It's like, I'm, I'm glad we're, you know, I'm glad we're together on this journey and mm-hmm. you know, I am. And I do love you too. All right. Well, I think that's a good place to wrap up. Yeah. Burn this mutual admiration <laughs> society down. Let's get the fuck out of here. All right. Get up, get up here and pour me another drink. <sighs> what a whiskey sour coming up. <laughs> I love you. Love you too. Bye. <laughs> Bye. A Hoots Media Production. Hoot, 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 ho